Hello and welcome to the Monarch Human Performance Podcast. I'm your host, John Sillis. Okay, guys, I'm super excited this week to sit down and chat with Chris Smith, who's a former Navy SEAL. He served for over a decade with SEAL teams and other special operations units. Upon leaving the military, Chris has engaged within a wide range of entrepreneurial ventures, including his gym, Trident Athletics, where his goal is to inspire, motivate, and help people achieve confidence and long-lasting health. Chris is also the CEO and co-founder of Trident Mindset, a performance company aimed at helping people become mentally tougher and more resilient. Chris also helps keep his competitive fire stoked by competing in some of the toughest ultra-endurance races and adventure races on the planet. These have included the Eco Challenge in Fiji, God Zone, a 650-kilometer adventure race in New Zealand, and Primal Quest, a 465-mile, 10-day adventure race. In this episode, me and Chris talk about his military career, his thoughts on mental toughness, why he created a Triton Mindset, and how people can train to enhance mental toughness and some of the common faults they make. Make sure you guys stay tuned throughout the full episode because at the end we've got a nice special gift for you. Good morning, Chris, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, my man. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> mate. Obviously, I've been checking out a lot of the cool stuff you've been putting up on your Instagram feed, dude. Very inspiring, very uh, motivational as well. Uh, yeah. So I was just like, look, I really want to get you on, have a chat to you. Uh, if anyone hasn't come across you and your stuff, can you just give us a little bit of a background of where you start off in your career, Chris, and where you're currently at? Yeah. So hailing off from the way back when I was an electrical engineer for Westinghouse way back in the 90s, did that for nine years, loved it, learned a lot. My brain has always been an engineering kind of brain. So putting things together, disassembling things, just been the way I've, I've always been. From there, I decided to take a leap of faith and join the Navy. Well, half true. I decided to take a leap of faith and I know I wanted to become a Navy SEAL. The good and bad part is you have to actually join the Navy to become a Navy SEAL. So that was a little bit different. <laughs> so yeah, so I uh, went to boot camp. You can imagine Navy boot camp after a six year kind of period of making a decision to join the Navy at 29 years old. So I had the idea that I want to be a SEAL when I was 23-ish, didn't make that commitment or make that leap until I was 29. Uh, during that time, full-on professional life, company car, pager back in the day. <laughs> it was awesome. Good life, good girlfriend, good, everything was great. Decided to make that change. Uh, like I said, so yeah, joined the Navy at 29, went straight to boot camp um, and then straight to BUDS. Uh, stayed in the traditional Navy for almost a decade and then moved over to a special missions unit. Um, enjoyed that immensely. Super, super cool. Got out. My wife and I started a CrossFit gym. Um, my wife owns a couple of coffee shops and now we're into personal development, helping people become better, making stronger minds with Trident Mindset. So the whole entire time, one thing has been certain is that I know I'm just here to help people become better people to motivate to inspire to mentor to coach like that's where my that's where my golden rod is that's where my being is so anytime I get a chance to to help out I always try to and that's awesome dude and it's quite yeah. cool as well what yeah. was it that made you want to make that, that leap from being you know electrical engineer into being a navy seal yeah well sillily or selfishly or funnily I don't know if you remember the movie Red Dawn oh, by yeah. Patrick Swayze. I don't yeah, know why yeah, that yeah, movie great, hit me. Yeah, it's so, so great. But I realized, uh, so back then I was doing a lot of uh, sport, you know, working, of course, but a lot of running, a lot of riding, swimming, triathlon, that kind of thing. And uh, Adventure Race, it hadn't come out yet, but I knew that physically I wasn't pushing myself. I knew I had more to give, but I just didn't have a mean or an outlet or I just couldn't find a way to test me, but I knew I had more to give. I just didn't know how to kind of to get that done. The movie Red Dawn came out and it made me realize that I had no skills, super capable of a lot of things, but I had like no skills if something happened to my family or no skills if, you know, if anything happened I have two sisters, a mother, father, but I couldn't do anything. Like I didn't know anything about weapons. I know about saving lives. I just didn't know how to like do things. 
So I'm like, well, the military teach me that. My father, 26 years, Air Force, career man. And I just knew that that would be a kind of a place to go. But I didn't want to go traditional military. I really, I really wanted to look for the hardest thing ever. Like, what can I learn or who can I learn the best tests from? And in my mind at the time, that was the Navy SEALs. Back then, they were super, like, still secret. <laughs> Unlike now. <laughs> They were like more clandestine, like they were undercover. There were no, there was like one book out and maybe one movie and <laughs> there just wasn't a lot going, like they were just weren't out there like like they are now or like we are now. So it was pretty mysterious and, you know, it was like the hardest challenge I could think about and a place where I could learn the most skills to kind of what I thought was to move me forward and help develop who I am. And I was think I was right in that, in that test, but that was primarily the reason, both the physicality of it, the mentality of it, being part of a collective, being part of a bigger tribe or a group, um, just ascending, if you will, to a space where not many people are successful. So it was really just a test. I wanted to serve, I wanted to give back to my country and everything, but it's kind of selfishly, kind of personally still just a test of my own character and who I was. So I felt like that was the place for me to go. That's yeah. awesome, dude. That is really cool to hear. And I mean, yeah. what was it then? You know, you decided like, right, I want to go get tested and jump into the Navy SEALs and go through BUDS now. Why mm -hmm. was it that six-year gap between, you know, like 23, considering it, and then making the move finally yeah. at 29? Were you, were you really tied to your pager that much, dude? Or, you know? <laughs> I was tied to what we, yeah, totally tied to the pager because it was awesome. You could put on like nine digits and like send a code <laughs> to your friends. <laughs> You know, it's like real life. And we all kind of go through, uh, we have ideas, we have what we think are goals, we have wants, we have wishes, and all that stuff is wrapped under this umbrella called real life and fear, mm -hmm. right? So, hey, I got this great idea. When I was in high school, um, when I was in high school, I worked at Walmart. Loved that job, worked at Walmart for nine years. There was an athlete that was just the super duper guy, the guy, you know, in high school, all the chicks loved him. He was like the coolest cat. He was like the best athlete. And a friend of mine, you know, kind of a, a friend of mine, we were good pals and everything. But after high school, he disappeared, right? Disappeared and was gone for a while. Came back, saw me working at the, as a stockman in Walmart. And I'd ask, oh, Bruce, man, where you been? He's like, oh man, I joined the Navy. It was awesome. Right. It was awesome. And I was like, where'd you go? I was like, oh man, I can't tell you. Cause it was still secret back then. Right. But he had gone to buds. He didn't, wasn't successful, but he had gone to buds. I didn't know that then, but I kind of figured it out. So he had planted that seed way back in high school. Right. Get a high school, college, go get a job. Uh, loved my job. I just couldn't separate the space between the known and the unknown. I call that space fear. Hey, I think I want to go do this. I wish I want to do this. I want to do this when I was younger, 23-ish or so. But I just didn't have what it took to make the commitment. Awesome girlfriend, awesome job, off of money, like good apartment, like all the good stuff in life. I'm like, golly, man, you know, eight out of 10 dudes that go in this program fail. And then what? So it was really challenging for you to make the decision to, or to, just to make the break or make the decision to actually go leave everything I had behind. Mm -hmm. Super, super challenge, super, super scary. You know, telling everybody that you loved, everybody that you cared about that this is what you're going to do. And like most men fail in that endeavor. And it was, it was a spooky, spooky, spooky time. So, you know, but sometimes you got to either get on the pot or get off the pot and share where that saying is, get on the horse and ride it. But you got to just make the decision. And it did take me about six years to make that decision. Uh, the interesting thing is though, you know, back and forth over the decision last, last six year or that, that six year period. But once you make that decision, now you're free. Now you can move forward. Mm -hmm. Now you can find out who you really are because all the other stuff was just an anchor kind of holding you back into this space. And we all have those thoughts. I still have them today about things that we wish we could have done or wish we would do. And we just let stuff hold us back for whatever reasons. We think it's more important or just a higher priority, but you know, hard me to make hard choices and that was just a hard choice yeah definitely dude i mean it's yeah. it's totally a hard choice especially if you've got 
you know, an accomplished career, you've got like the trappings and the, you know, the comforts that come with being successful in your chosen career and then making that switch to something that's more of a a Spartan lifestyle, you know, in some ways going into the military and that hardship as well. What was it like then rocking up to, you know, Coronado as, (laughs) I mean, exactly as as the older gentleman there, you know, 29 years old compared to some young bucks. Yeah. Uh, Dare I say like age is just a number. I think I am blessed in that my body, I'm 54 years old now, but I don't feel like a 54 year old man. My friends that are my age are seem a lot older. You know, I just never really, I've always been in decent shape. I've always taken care of myself. I've always just had the physicality to kind of do things. So even though I was 29 years, I didn't actually feel like I was 29. I was older than everybody, but one person in my class, but I never felt like I was an old person. I jived well with all the guys, you know, I was leading in some things and failing miserably in other things, you know, so age really didn't make a difference, but it did give me a little more fuel because everybody else was younger and it, oh, can the old guy keep up? I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, I'll keep up and smash your ass, right? Like, <laughs> so yeah, so it was kind of like, oh yeah, I can, I can, I can handle that, you know, yeah, so yeah. Buzz is extremely difficult and extremely challenging, as everybody knows. Um, but it's that if you're 18 or that if you're 26 or that if you're 35 or whatever, however old you are, it's like you bring what you got, man. Whatever's in your suitcase is what you bring to Buds and you carry the load. So, yeah, so age was it was there, but it wasn't like the, the most demanding thing or well, way more demanding things than just being older. Nice, dude. And you, yeah. I think you had a direct contract then to go straight into Buds. You didn't go fleet into Buds. Uh, no, when I was getting in, they did have a program. I didn't take that program. So I went to boot camp. Um, they, at that time, there wasn't like an SO, which is still operating. There was the, the job. I had to go pick another job and they had, I don't know, I can't remember like nine different jobs. And I picked an intelligence specialist, you know, in the unlikely event that you don't graduate the course, you're still in the damn Navy. Mm-hmm. Right. And it wasn't my idea to be in the Navy. I love the Navy now, but it just wasn't my idea. So I'm like, well, what can I what job can I take or choose that'll maximize my direction in the unlike event that something happens and I don't graduate? And that was intelligence specialist. I love just learning things, you know? So that was a, I felt like a platform that I could move forward to as well. So I had to go to ISA school for six months and then I went to BUD. So yeah, it's a, it was a journey. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. How was, how was your BUD's journey? Did, did you go straight through? Did you have any rollbacks or injuries, anything like that? Ah. <laughs> straight through is that actually a thing no uh it is a thing for some people it wasn't a thing for this person <laughs> yeah it's a six-month program as you know and i'm sure there are a few a small percentage of guys that just make it straight through but most people i think are on a little bit longer program it took me a year to get through so i started in class 205 uh graduating class 207 right so a little gap there Started the class of 100 and, I don't know, 150, 160 cats. First phase then, or hell week in first phase then was the fifth week of training. It's now like the third week or something, but it was the fifth week of training. So you go through your four weeks and then you go to hell week. Um, I didn't successfully complete hell week. So on Wednesday, we had a long, cold, hard swim and I got hypothermia. Uh, I remember that swim really, really, really well in spots because on this swim, I swim with my swim buddy, Todd Owen, my man, still a good friend of mine today, uh, swimming down, swimming down, swimming like a mile out, mile back, two mile swim. <clears throat> on this swim, swim back, I was just like freezing the whole entire time. And I don't know if you know, but at the end of each swim, there's an instructor in a kayak or a boat and you report into him so that he can, it's accountability, right? And I remember specifically, you get there and we're like, ah, oh, dive pair, whatever. Um, and they always say, go down and get a bottom sample, which means you swim down to the bottom of the ocean, you grab some mud, swim to the top of the surface, put the mud on your head, then you swim to shore to complete the swim. And I remember him saying, go get a bottom sample. And then I remember me standing on the beach. And then I remember us in the middle of the swim. And then I remember me being a hot tub, right? So I hyped out during the swim. Um, remember the bottom sample, I get to the beach and there was an instructor do they do like a little health and welfare check where they, you know, ask you questions to make sure that you're okay. It was a winter swim. And the questions I remember, they're like so vividly clear in my head, John, like it was yesterday. 
The question is, Chris, what is seven plus two? And in my mind, I'm like, well, that's simple. That's nine. But on video, it was like everything has just, <laughs> the brain has shut down, right? Like absolutely shut down. My mm -hmm. mind was crystal clear, but the body mechanics, the motor skills, absolutely gone. You know, what is nine plus two? 11. You know, you're all catonic and everything. <laughs> Boom, then I remember being in the hot tub. Boom, then I remember being back in the swim. Boom, I remember being back on the beach. So I had these time gaps where a bit of consciousness, a bit of unconsciousness. Um, the good thing about that is I still have, maybe, I had at that time the lowest rectal body temperature ever recorded in Buzz. It may still be top one or two. So my rectal body temperature, which means I spent majority of time in my hell week with a little thin thermometer up my yaya to measure internal body temperature. You know, we do a cold event and they check the temperature. And after that event, I registered an 88.4, which is damn cold. Um, they ended up getting me to the medical tent, or sorry, medical uh, building and got in the hot tub and got rewarmed and everything. So yeah, so I remember like super clearly, it's just, it's just so clear in my head, but the body just doesn't respond, which just goes to tell like how powerful mentality is, how powerfully strong your mind is if you let it, if you let it lead you, you know? And I was not quitting buds. Like, I don't care. I was just not quitting buds. And that was in my mind. And I'm like, oh, so it's totally fine. You know, body not so good. I was super skinny in buds. I weighed like 133 pounds. So it was freaking challenging. Wow. Yeah, yeah. with like 6% body fat or 3% body fat. So it was pretty chilly. <laughs> I can imagine, man. Yeah. That's some accomplishment, dude. You should have that listed somewhere on like a bio. Yeah, I think I got a plaque at the end of my class. Yeah, it just said rectal body temp 88.4. You know, like 88.6, you're like technically dead. So I don't know how I was yeah. even moving around still. So yeah, I was like, yeah, I actually got a free, um, <laughs> I actually got a free kind of buds day, a free day off. Right. So obviously, you know, you get that cold and um, in buds, you're not allowed to miss a, more than two hours of training. Right. So for the entire week, you can't miss more than two hours of training. So after I spent some time in the hot tub, the nurse was giving me sugar and cookies, trying to get my body temperature back up, got dressed. And I'm going back out to the beach to meet my class. They're like, hey, man, you got to get back with your class or we're going to freaking toss you out of here. And I knew that, dude, no matter what, I'm graduating this program because I have told every single person that I know, every single person that I loved for the last year and a half or two years that I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. Right? Like everybody knows. And I don't want to fail that goal for myself and just because that's what I told people I was going to do. Um, so when I get back out to the beach and I meet my class and the classes, it's at night now and the classes in the, in the ocean, getting surf torture, you know, all the guys are locked arms and doing flutter kicks and singing and trying to have a good time when you're freezing your yayas off. So they put me back, <laughs> they put me back in the class and, you know, I'm like, excuse my language. I'm fucked up, bro. I've got hypothermia. I've got pneumonia. I've got pleurisy, which is your lungs start to bleed on the inside. So you're Aviola, your tissue can't perfuse oxygen. It just starts to bleed on the inside. So, you know, you're coughing, you're spitting up blood and mucus and stuff, and you can't take a breath because you can't perfuse oxygen over your, of your lung tissue. But I am determined not to quit this program. Like, I'm going to graduate. I'm determined not to quit this freaking program. Get back in the class. We're in the ocean and we're flutter kicking and yelling. I'm just like, <laughs> just coughing up lung tissue and blood and sputum and stuff. And, you know, they bring everybody out and they're doing like another health and welfare check. And they're like, Jesus Christ, mate, you got to go to the hospital. I'm like, oh, I'm not freaking quitting. You know, and <laughs> all the arms are locked together. And I was like, don't quit, Smitty. Hang on. Don't quit. I'm like, I'm not quitting. <laughs> I'm coughing up a storm. And, and the doctor's looking at me. They're like, bro, you are fucked up, man. You got to leave. We're like, I'm not quitting. You know, like that's what's in my head is that if I quit this program, I don't get a second chance. I don't become a Navy SEAL. I would rather die than quit this program. But 
you know, Buzz isn't out to kill you. I mean, it may feel like that, but that's not their goal. So the doctor's looking at me. They're like, hey, Smitty, you got to go to medical, man. You got to go to the hospital. I'm just locked arms into the class for all chance. No, don't quit. Don't quit. I'm like, ah, not fucking quitting. Like, I was so resolved in my commitment, right? In the class, like, that's what makes the team so great. It's like, we're there for each other. So resolved. The class is like, no, don't quit. Don't quit. So the doctor's looking at me. So the commanding officer of Bud, the CEO of Bud, had to come down in his truck or in his van, look at me and say, Chris, I know you're not quitting the program, but you have to go to the hospital. And I'm still in my mind. I'm not quitting, not quitting. He's like, I understand that. Look at me. I understand you're not quitting. You have to go to the hospital because... I don't know, man. The last time a CEO had somebody die at Buds was probably not good for his career. So that's probably what he's thinking about, right? So he literally, he, un, he unties my cape, my, my life vest, puts me in the ambulance. They take me to the hospital. You know, I stay in the hospital a couple of days, yada, yada. But that, that earns me a free Buds day, basically, with the point of the story, which means I get one day off. Which I don't have to do nothing. <laughs> I get to sit around and do nothing while everyone else works out. <laughs> Damn, man. It, it sounds like you fairly earned that day. Oh, off yeah. yeah. Being that state yeah. and still hanging on is impressive. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not just about me, though. It's really about just the ilk, the brotherhood, how people just rally together for a common cause of good. And it's like, oh, man, because other guys quit and you're like, bye. You know, not that I'm special, but mm -hmm. like you show the people you surround yourself with what you're made of and they want to galvanize and be part of your team. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a quid pro quo. It's a brotherhood. It's a, it's, it's love, you know? So it was kind of cool to, to see that. So they went on and I did it. <laughs> so, I mean, you went through buds, you, you took a year yeah. to get through the program plus your, your one little yeah. uh, rest day in between yeah. there as well, which is cool. Um, where, where, where did you go to? Which were you East coast yeah, or you West coast when you finished up? With yeah, buds? So I was West coast. I was at SEAL team five. Um, loved it. It was great. So stayed on the West Coast. Buds is on the West Coast. Stayed there. Loved it, man. Made some great lifelong friends. Bonded with the peeps. Did some good work. All the stuff. I stayed there for just about five years. And then I picked up and moved to, I got selected, hand selected, one of uh, six SEALs to go work in a special missions unit here outside, the, outside our nation's capital. So inside the DC area. So I did that for the remainder of my career. Nice, dude. And as for deployments, I take it, what, Iraq, Afghanistan, where else in the globe were you, you know, uh, sent to? No, so we were, that's pre-war, right? So a lot of uh, not so heavy combat there, just South Pacific, Asia, that kind of thing. So not a lot of action, action back in that time. The war kind of hadn't really broke out yet. So none of that started until I left the traditional SEAL teams, went out to the to a special mission unit out, out here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool, man. That's yeah. awesome, dude. And then obviously you're saying as well, you and your wife own a, a CrossFit gym currently yep. as well. You know, um, did you get into CrossFit while you were in the teams or that's something you got into, you know, once you'd finished up with your, your military yeah. career? Yeah. So in the SEAL teams, I don't know if you actually CrossFitted CrossFit. CrossFit was coming around by the time I uh, moved from SEAL Team 5 out to here. It was just becoming bigger and bigger and people were adopting the style of fitness, the philosophy of CrossFit, which is freaking awesome right does a lot of good for a lot of people um shameless plug regardless of leadership but now leadership is better anyway you might have to cut that out who knows <laughs> but it was so it was coming around and people were adopting that philosophy um just they were just adopting that philosophy which was cool is that inside the unit i was working with big boy rules like you take care of your own fitness you take care of your own things so we kind of started a uh the CrossFit methodology training inside that space. It's a small space, right? It's only 52 people at the time. So quite selective. And I kind of started a fitness program inside that. And that was before we started, my wife and I started our CrossFit gym. So trained all the guys and in, in, trained all the guys uh, in the unit. And then I kind of went and worked for another CrossFit space in the town I live in, in, in Alexandria. I did that for Ooh, we long time, maybe six years or so, five or six years, I think. Yeah. Nice man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's an awesome modality to be into as well. And there's a lot of benefits from it. Yeah, huge. One thing I was wanted to chat to you, Chris, obviously when I came across your stuff online, you know, as, as I said, 
really inspirational, really motivating stuff as well, and just really clear, concise message. Mm -hmm. You talk a lot about within your message around the, the scope of mental toughness. Absolutely. And I mean, nowadays, like coming from a sporting background myself, you know, mental toughness gets thrown around so much. Yeah. Oh yeah, mental toughness, mental toughness, and, and resiliency now as well. So there's all these different variations we hear of it. So I just want to get your thoughts on it. Like, you know, what would you define as, you know, being mentally tough? Yeah, I think it's really more about flexibility, right? Your ability to have control of your thoughts, understand, relate to the things that are happening around you and having the wherewithal to control the things you can, understand the things you can't and make good decisions. That's what it's about. Hey, you know what? I have to take onus if whatever, say I'm driving my car and someone cuts me off and I get to choose whether or not I get to be upset or not be upset. I get to choose, like I get to choose how I react to the situations that are thrown at me. I can't, I can't control the things that are happening to me, but I can control how I react to those triggers. And I think that's what mental toughness is. The flexibility, the resiliency to make choice. Am I, do I get upset? Well, Chris Smith really doesn't get upset that much, but people do get upset. You get agitated, you get triggered. That's fine. That's an emotion that's going to happen. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Understand it's happening and then make decisions based on that. Like, oh, did, well, no, whatever your metrics are, did somebody die? Did somebody get hurt? Is that okay? Is that, wow, they're really upset. Should that upset me? Like you get to make the choices. And so it's really about understanding self, becoming aware of what's going on and choosing your options to those triggers. That's what I think mental toughness is, is how you relate to the things that are happening because we can't control everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And it'd be interesting to get your thoughts as well because I've heard from different aspects on it as well and experienced through working in performance sport. But mm -hmm. would you say mental toughness is it something you're either born with or you're not, or you know, is it something you can truly develop over time? No, I 100% believe it's a skill or a tactic that you can develop. Just like everything else we use in our course, we use the idea of playing chess or playing basketball, right? Like I can throw a basketball to a five-year-old and they can throw the ball on the ground and catch it with their hands once or twice. And that's called dribbling. It's called dribbling poorly, right? I can teach you become a dribble, a, a better dribbler. Now I might not be able to get you to the NBA, but I can teach you the skills it takes to do the basic things. And the stuff we're talking about, stoicism, intentionality, breath work, discipline, micro goals, focus, those things are just skills. If you practice those things, you will become better. We become the best, depends on how much you practice like any other skill. So yes, I think they're 100% developed. And we're all, I believe, we're, we all understand, we're all born with the things we're talking about in the course Trident Mindset. We're born with that stuff. Some people choose to use it. Some people choose to lose it. Some people choose to make it better, adapt it, grow it, evolve it. And some people don't, right? And that's it. That too is the essence of your own mentality, your own creativity inside your mind of how you choose to do the things, you know? <laughs> hey, I want to learn to play guitar. Well, just because I buy a guitar doesn't make me a guitarist. I've got to practice, right? So what, I think what makes our our methodology different is that we give you time to practice a new skill. One of the things, and I am guilty of it myself, 100%, man, I can't tell you how many courses I've bought over the years that I don't take, or I look at and go through real fast, and I never put what I'm trying to learn in practice. Mm -hmm. I never execute on the new information that I'm getting. So we're kind of forcing our, our clients, our people, our tribe to, hey, I'm gonna teach you one thing this month practice it this month before we add something else to your plate, yep. right? We add something next month. Well, practice what you learned last month and add some more stuff to your plate. So I think that's what the biggest separator or unique ability. Is that a word? Uniqueness? Unique yeah. something? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's what makes us different. that we give you time to practice. We give you workouts of the day to practice. We give you assessments to see how you're doing. So it's a learning process, practice or a learning process because it is a skill and a tactic. Yeah, that makes I think sense. that's, that's yeah. massive to, to have that element to it as well, Chris. And no, yeah. from my own experience, from like even just um, falling into the trap of continual development, so stuff like, you know, you see posts like, oh, you know, if you want to be successful, most high-end CEOs and stuff like that will be reading, you know, 50, 52 to 60 books a year. So like, you know, yeah. in a bit of a week and that. So I fell into that trap. So I'm like, you know, go get through the book, go get through the book. 
yeah yeah i'm i'm passively reading i'm not actually implementing anything here so my my reading i've probably cut in half like 25 books to 30 books a year but i'm Absolutely. actually delving in and i'm actually trying to apply things now i'm doing it right how can i get the most from this book right now yeah exactly i uh so one of my business mentors knows all my flaws knows all my dark secrets and i too i'm like hey man like dude everybody picks up a book and they try to get to the end of the book and i'm like why do they try to get into the end of the book is to brag to my friends that i've read 60 books a year or whatever so what he's got me doing and this is a horrible idea it's the best idea of it so hard i've been reading a book called essentialism by mm -hmm. greg mccowan but not the book i've been reading the first 10 pages for it's probably seven months now because why move forward why move past the first 10 pages if i can't even action the lesson in the first 10 pages which is to do less but better keep putting more stuff on my plate oh i'm just i'm not doing less i'm not doing it better why move forward until i learn that lesson there's no i i gotta learn that lesson first before i try to finish the book mm -hmm. i don't do brag my friends i finished the book yay man you're still doing way too much you're still saying yes to too many things and not saying no more often so you can be better at what you're saying no to you know so that's my new my, my new mantra that's my big lesson is doing less but better I mean, that's awesome. I'm, I'm on the same mindset on that as well, Chris. It's just like too many people fall into that trap of being like doing so much and being busy. Yeah. You're, you're just busy. You're not productive. You're not actually yeah. producing anything. You're not making progress. You're just flying around trying to keep plates spinning. And that's it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think that's that too is a learned behavior? Because, oh, if we act busy, we're, we're apparently or seemingly more productive, more important more like i we all fall into the trap i haven't quite put my finger on why we think that but i love to hear your thought on why you think being busy is more productive or why we keep doing more and more and more stuff yeah i mean i think that's just a cultural thing from most work now especially in western culture it's just like you, you turn up early and you stay late and you're doing all these little bits and pieces constantly and you want to be seen to be busy by you know management and things like that so it's like oh yeah hey, john's always here john's always doing stuff so Therefore, you know, he's a good worker, but if yeah. they actually dive in deeper, it's just like, okay, what projects is he actually finishing? Or is he just doing small little things, fighting fires constantly and nothing's actually getting turned out. And I think mm -hmm. that's the big thing from that. And I think too many people have fallen into that mindset rather than being like, you know what, this month I'm going to work on one project and I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. And I'm going to move this 10 miles down the road, you know, sort of thing. Cause I'm going to put so much work into it. I'm not going to yeah. worry about the small things. I'm just going to focus on this one key aspect. Yeah. So it's interesting. So that the community, the conversation has to be between, between the person delegating the work or have the expectation of productivity or completion and the person doing. So from the person that's, we'll say, overworked or doing way more and being less productive. Wow. How do we, how do we teach people to bridge that conversation with their boss? It's like, hey, boss, you've given me too much. My, the load you've given me is too great. Let me focus on this. And I'll be super productive. When that's done, we'll move on to the next thing. That's a challenging conversation for people, you know, talking about mm -hmm. accountability, onus. That's a tough one. You know, I don't know if I've solved that one or not. I don't know if you got an idea there either. But, man, how do we, how do we inspire people to take control back and just say, man, you know, we would be better if we chose this way i don't know about that one it's a tough one that is that is a super tough one chris and i think it comes down to as well like having that open honest conversation with you know your your boss is not saying hey you know these are the three things or two or three things i'm an all-star at you give me these uh, tasks and i'll knock it out of the park but right now you've got me doing 10 things that aren't in my wheelhouse i'm going to do subpar why don't you delegate this out to someone else like not yeah. like you're trying to ditch work but it's just like Give me these three tasks you've assigned me. Let me just be an all-star on them. And the other guys who are more all-stars of these other tasks, they can pick up those ones sort of thing. But I think it's just being able to have that conversation with your superiors and be comfortable yeah. with it. I'm interesting. We should do a little little thing maybe on your links or your thing underneath the, the podcast. It's like, hey, man, can you have this conversation with your superiors, whatever they are, and see yeah. what people are thinking? <laughs> They're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that begs the question of, hey, you know what? If you're trying to be a better human, if you're trying to be more productive, if you're trying to apply the things you are learning and you can't have that conversation, the question is, 
are you in the right space doing the right thing? Is there, is there necessity for a change? Do you need to make a change that you can be happier by doing less but better so that you can be the fullest you? You know, we're tied to, oh, I'm a lawyer. I got to work a thousand hours a week. I'm like, well, no, you just got to practice law better or whatever. You know, like, man, are you in the right space doing the right thing? Big question. You know, you're letting somebody else dictate your time. I just got to, I wish I'd bring it up. Just got a text from a friend of mine. Um, I'm going to try to search for it real quick. Just got a text from a friend of mine about time. How it's the most precious asset. How important it is and how often we choose to let somebody else dictate that time or squander that time or take that time. And we're just, we're just not, it's currency. Yep. You know, we're spending it like it's, like we got an infinite amount of it. And we don't, it's in short supply. It's in short, such a short supply. We don't even know how much we have in the bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yet we still choose to squander it and not apply every minute as if, if it, as if it was your last minute. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting one for that. I've seen a few things on that as well. And it's just like a lot more people tying it into, you know, the cost of materialistic things as well. So, oh, Hey, you want to go buy that, uh, that new iPad. So you're making $50 an hour or something like that. Just say like, hypothetically, it's just like, yeah, a new iPad is what? $200. So that's like four yeah. hours of your work there. So I'm just trying to yeah. random numbers here, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know, but I think those two, those are also things that people have projected on us yeah. that we're, we're choosing to subscribe to yeah. instead of being the righteous person or the, the person that's honest with themselves or to themselves that says, no, these are my, these are, these are my non-negotiables. I'm going to go home from work at six o'clock and spend that time with my family because I need to be there as well. Instead of spending at the office, thinking about being with my family, you know, um, you, we have to take that onus on ourselves. So here's the quote. Days are expensive. When you spend a day, you have one less day to spend. So make sure you spend each one wisely. Love it. It's just simple. But I was, I was going to say, Chris, I really like the fact when you're talking about your program there, um, you know, like every every week there's an assessment in there. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I fully agree that I've always said from a coaching perspective thing, it's like, you know, what, what's measured is managed. And I think yes. people fall short on that. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this program to get better at this. It's like, right, yeah. cool. What, what are you tracking to see you're getting better? Because a lot of times it's just so subjective. People are like, oh, yeah, I totally got better. It's like, well, how? You know, what did you get better at? What did you get better? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the same thing works with, uh, we'll say, nutrition and exercise. It's like, dude, we're always at this homeostasis, both in, in mind, mindset training and in physical training. Like, you have to change one of the variables. Okay, well, we're all an experiment, right? You're different. I'm different. Everybody meets going to be different. Well, what did we change? And what did that, what did that do? Right? If you don't manage that, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be able to track. Oh, I feel better. I feel calmer. I feel less stressed. I feel more fit. I feel less fat. What, whatever it is, you know, I feel more hungry. Whatever it is, hey man, if you can't track that, then what's the use of kind of what's you're gonna fail? You're gonna fail because you don't know where you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. You don't know where you started, and you don't know where you're supposed to go. And that's that space between the known and the unknown, and that space is fear, and it keeps people from moving forward. Both emotionally and physically it's just it's a it's an anchor so having a guide having some metrics at the end having some type of goal will keep you moving in the right direction mm-hmm. every single time and like you say that fear is just like that fear of the unknown or the fear of something that's going to be potentially difficult in there and i quite like that if your program i think you put it down as choosing the wrench or choosing, choosing the wrench intentionally hard yeah so do you like for that do you just have a prescribed like right look at your you know for the client, look at your life. What what do you find difficult, or what you faced by, and you know, doing that purposefully? Is it or? Yeah, it, it, that totally is because I can't choose something hard for you. Yeah. I, mean, I can choose something hard for you, but that's just my subjective opinion on what I think is hard for you. It's much more powerful and much more poignant for the individual to choose something that they're afraid of or something that makes that that's hard for them because now it's their goal, their why, their passion, their purpose is in line with that hard thing. And the benefit once they accomplish that thing is far better when they know they set that hard goal, that hard obstacle, that hard challenge, whatever it was, and they accomplish that. Even if you set it really, really far out there, right? Big, huge, audacious goals, the harder thing to do and you fail, so what? 
look how far you've gone. <laughs> you know, we, we often fail to give ourselves credit. We often fail to give ourselves those micro successes, those micro victories when we're moving on the path of greatness. You know, oh, I didn't, you know, run my cumulative 20 miles this week. I only ran 19, but you ran 19 miles. Celebrate that. You know, so we get these things in our heads where, you know, we're, we're constantly not celebrating our micro victories, not celebrating our small successes. That's what keeps us excited. That's what keeps us moving in the right direction. So we try to stress that a lot. So choose hard things, please choose the wrench. Sometimes that wrench hits backs, but that's okay. You're stronger <laughs> and better for it. Right. So I know, I know, man. And I think that's the huge thing. So a lot of people are, you know, afraid to fail, but it's just like, yeah, you don't see the lesson that can be learned in failing as well. It's just yeah. like, you know, you learn so much more from it. Yeah. That's because they don't set themselves up correctly to begin with. Mm -hmm. They're like, Hey, no matter what, I'm going for this hard thing. I'm going to learn and celebrate every day or every milestone, whatever you put your milestones, every milestone. Cause now you don't feel if you don't make that go, you're like, Oh, but look at all these successes that I've accomplished on the way opposed to not managing any of the successes and then not meeting your goal. Then you went from zero back to zero, right? So you tick it off, you go into 100, you tick it off, one, two, five, seven, nine, 10, get to 98, uh, get to 99 and don't make 100. You got 99 successes that you can look back on, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So we should manage those as well. Definitely, and just setting those micro goals as well oh. is the big thing. And like oh. you say, celebrating your successes. One thing I've been guilty of in the past is, right that box is ticked move on to the next you know yeah I'm not uh, celebrating it but yeah. like i've just started uh from my own personal side of things i've just started um at pt school so oh, yeah that's a it's gonna be a long process but it's, it can be daunting at times looking ahead going oh wow this is you know a three-year program yeah you know, for me it's just like take a week by week you know even day yeah. by day at some points so that's how it runs so it's like yeah cool. and then you add into that okay I'm, I'm planning to learn something today but also i'm planning to give Mm -hmm. you're bringing something to the school as well you've got experience you've got life you got all the things so always going with that open mind like yes i am planning to absorb as much as possible but i'm also planning to contribute or to give right then your your blossom of lessening or blossoming of your blossom of learning is just expanded because now you're open on both sides right to receive information and to give information instead of just being in reception mode definitely definitely yeah I was wanting to chat to you about one of the other um, tactics you got here, just flipping the script. So what yeah, do you mean by paradigm that? Shift. Yeah, so it's a paradigm shift, like how you look at things in life, right? We talked about, um, you know, someone cutting you off in a, in, a, in a car, right? A choice of, you have two choices. You can be upset, three choices. You can be upset, you can not let it matter, or you can be like a sponge, a wishy-washy if you want. So having that paradigm shift of how you look at things that happen in your life, what triggers you, like you get a, you have the option to change the way you look at things. Oh my gosh, my, uh, my car got a flat tire. Oh, I got a flat tire. And I get to walk 14 miles to the gas station. You know, you're just changing the yeah. mind of, of how you're looking at that. I get a new tire out of this, you know, <laughs> or however you want to phrase that for yourself. It's just looking at it from a different perspective to see the good or the benefit or how it can, how you can maximize that, that, that trigger, how you can maximize that experience instead of always trying to be like water, which is the path of least resistance running downhill, which most people take all the time. They're always looking at that. The first thing that comes to most people's mind is like why it's bad instead of what can I learn from this or what can be, what, how can I grow from this experience? And that's what flipping the script is. It's like just changing your, your mindset to looking at things differently, right? Uh, I struggle with that with me and my loved one, my wife. <laughs> She's innately a little bit anxious to getting so much better, but has always been a little bit anxious. And people that live in that little higher anxiety level, like everything that happens creates a trigger in everybody, but we get to choose what we do with the trigger, right? Super anxious people always choose the negative side or the latter part or the worst part. And they, oh my God, that's gonna happen. They fly off the hand on it, create stress and all kinds of stuff. By flipping the script, you're like, oh, that happened. Well, that's exciting. This, I never had this experience before. And you, you're thinking about it in different perspectives. And that's what flipping the script is. It's just changing your mindset and thinking of ways it can be productive instead of not productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's an awesome way to look at things, Chris. And yeah, glass half full kind of idea. 
Yeah, and I think it's that that realization for people as well. It's it's not in the absence of negativity. It's not a case of like you know you get a flat tire and you're not instantly like oh great I've got a flat tire I got a new tire. It's like ah damn it. Tire, yeah, exactly. Tire's flat, but hey, yeah. I like that dude. I like that. I remember yeah. I was chatting with a former colleague. Um, you know, he left the the corporate uh, ladder and when like he's always had love for surfing, so he went and built his own surf school. And yeah, fair play to him. It was awesome. I remember one day he was just, you know, he's burned out, he's bummed out in his office. And I think, and I'm probably going to butcher it. I think it was Steve Jobs' <laughs> quote on this. It was just like, you know what? If I was uh, going to die, you know, at the end of today, would I be happy with what I'm about to do today? You know, would I be content totally. with how I'm going to spend my day? Yeah. That's a lot of no's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot of no's. You know, it puts things in perspective, which we're, what we're talking about is like mind frame, right? Mindset. It puts things in perspective. It's like, wow. Should I be more accountable to myself and only choose to do the things that I love? We have obligations, we have responsibilities, we're real people, we have relationships, understand all of that. But if you had the choice, would you just do the things that you care about, the things that you love and that you like are totally behind, mm-hmm. you know? Just have that, that brutal honesty with yourself. It's a tough one, it's it a tough, tough one. one, yeah. Man, but some it's some good interesting thought around that dude and like um i, I want to bring it back onto you a little bit chris just regarding obviously how we got connected and the work you're doing mm-hmm. you know i think what you're doing with trident mindset is awesome but i just want to know you know where, where did the idea come from because obviously you said you left the teams you know you're quite entrepreneurial yeah. you and your wife you know you've got your coffee shops you got your gym where did the idea for trident mindset come from so it's a collective idea i wish i could take full credit for it but i absolutely can i gotta give my partner chris props man he does majority of the writing he does it's a sexy voice on the recordings right so we've known each other for a long long time i've been coaching for a long i've been coaching mentoring inspiring for a long time and i found myself saying like the same kind of things to people like every time i'm engaging with somebody every time i'm giving advice every time i'm mentoring every time i'm inspiring it's always like the same kind of tenets um, Chris studies neuroscience. He's an engineer. He worked for the government as well. So we kind of teamed up with myself and our team and come up with, wow, let's distill these things down into actionable things that we can teach people and give them time to teach them. Mm-hmm. Right. So the tactics are kind of our collective idea. A lot of things I've been saying for a long time, but I really, I'm a better way guy. My why is to find a better way and just make things better, but I'm not so good at the writing part or the recording part. I'm just, that's just not my wheelhouse. So we really got, we really work well together as delivering something that people can digest easily. So the ideas are collective and collaborative. The process of delivering that information is collective and collaborative. The idea comes from, man, you know what, if I tell you to don't put your hand in the fire 4,500 times, you should probably not put your hand in the fire. So the 12 tactics are stemmed out of that. Man, you got to like understand your breath. You've got to understand what focus is. You got to understand how to set goals and micro goals. You got to understand a little bit of meditation, right? You got to understand hard men do hard shit. You got to choose hard things. It makes you a better person. So you have to understand all these different things. Giving them all at one burst does no good. Mm -hmm. You know, so as I'm talking to people throughout my, God, I've been doing this for a long year, like 25 years or something. Wow, I'm not that old. Been doing it for a long time and the same ideas keep coming to surface, coming to surface, coming to surface. So why can't we package that up and give it to people or give it, make it affordable, make it a useful tool for people to kind of, to, to practice with, to try with. That's kind of where that idea um, percolated from. Chris approached me on that idea because it's been in my head, but again, the action step to get that done would just, outside of my wheelhouse, so to speak. So mm-hmm. he brings a neurological component to it. We bring a team selection and an agency perspective and uh, a collective idea to to put that out for people so that they can understand it. So it's a collaborative effort. Uh, it's, it's a great yeah. piece of work. And I mean, uh, looking you. over it, I can't say enough positive things about it. And yeah, for anyone who wants it's to a check gaggle, it out. man, it's a bunch of content. I don't know. It's a bunch of content in there, you know, and I think that every day so I can take just one little small piece and learn from and that makes me feel good as a one to help people out and create deep, meaningful, impactful relationships. It do just take one thing and just be better today. That's all I'm asking, you know.
definitely man definitely yeah, sorry i mean to cut you off yeah. <laughs> it's all right man it's all excited good. i tell you <laughs> <laughs> i mean for you like how, how does the course run like for anyone listening how does the course yep. run and i know you've got your your 12 tactics mm-hmm. assigned to as well like so how does the course run and how did you guys come up with you know these are going to be our 12 tactics this is what we're going to focus on for mental toughness yep so the tactics are like i said things that i repeat all the time i'm asking people are constantly coming to me i've been a coach forever the tactics are what I use all the time. One of those 12, depending on what that scenario base is. The course runs like this. It's a subscription-based course, right? I believe and we believe, Friday Mindset believes that you don't need to do this more than a year. You just don't. This isn't, you don't have to do this the rest of your life because we're teaching you a tactic and we're giving you 30 days to learn, understand, ingrain, and just absorb that tactic. Each day, we give you a workout to practice said tactic for the month. So you get one tactic, per month for 12 months. So each day you get a, a workout to practice that tactic. Each day you can have a uh, audible lesson or a written lesson. You can download a PDF or download the audio or just listen to the audio on our, our, uh, our website there. Uh, you get the workout of the day, something to practice and it's broken down into three separate categories. Just like, um, hey, you can take the easy ride out. Hey, practice meditation for three minutes. Okay, a little bit Stiffer, practice meditation with this emphasis for 10 minutes. Oh man, you're really, really awesome. Well, practice meditation focused on these things for 30 minutes. You get to kind of pick and choose your way in there because you know that everybody's not in the same space for each one of the tactics. So we're giving you uh, options to kind of work to practice because everybody's just not in the same space. And then thirdly, each week we do an assessment. So, hey, you know, I read the lesson. I listened to the lesson maybe once or twice. I've practiced my workout of the day. I've executed it into my life. Well, how did I feel? I have a, a battery of questions. Like, how did I feel using that tactic? Each week, each week, excuse me, each week we get to assess that and you get to gauge your progress. You know, it's my belief like, dude, if I'm practicing, practicing and not get better, I should probably practice some more before I move forward, right? We only release one lesson per month or per month right? So if you start in January, you'll get micro goals all of January. You want to have access to the rest of it because I don't want to cloud your mind with other thoughts. I want you to focus on micro goals for one month. The second month, focus. And I'm going to teach you about focus. Well, let's not forget about micro goals because you learned that last month. Let's continue to practice and let's add a little spaghetti to your plate by adding on focus. So they, each tactic builds on itself as well. At the end of the year, man, you should be good to go. Like you have enough skills, you still have access. Uh, to the material, but you have enough skills to be a better human being, which is awesome. In addition, we offer a coaching program. We have a, uh, a bunch of coaches that someone can for, I think it's 500 bucks a month, uh, work with the coach specifically on things that they need to work on or want to work on. Um, that's uh, a minimum of one call per, um, one call per month. Uh, And it's a one-on-one relationship, right? So the coach and the client get to kind of figure out what's, what's, what they need to move forward. Uh, A faster track, if you will, to becoming a better human and becoming more mentally tough, becoming happier, becoming more calm and becoming less stressed, right? That's what we're really trying to get to is less stressed, more calm and happy. That's what's great though. It's like, Hey, I'm, we're not trying to tell you to not have emotions, to not, you know, have those thoughts. It's like, hey, man, that thought is it. It's the same thing as meditation, right? That thought is going through your mind. Accept it. It's what happened. You got a flat. Okay. But now what? Now what? That's yeah. the important part. Hey, you got a flat. You can be pissed off at the flat. I knew I shouldn't have took that left or whatever. However you want to look at it. And it's like, okay, it's a flat. Now what? I can choose to be angry for the rest of the day and be pissed off when I get to work or whatever, or I can choose to be like, oh, I got a flat. I got to do something about it. Well, it's just a flat. Yeah. Nobody, I didn't run over a kid. Nothing happened. It's just a flat tire, man. They make tires every day. In fact, they make used tires. You can do whatever you like. All, you can, I get to save money on a used tire, man. I thought those, you know, whatever, whatever how you want to look at it. It's up to you. Right. And that's what we're saying. Like you're in control of these things. Learn to be in control. We're not saying forget about the bad stuff or forget about stuff that happens. Man, you're a human being, man. You need all those emotions. You need all those feelings. You need to be whole, right? Like you stub your toe. Yeah, it's going to hurt for a minute. Then you can choose to laugh at it. And like, oh my God, I kicked that thing again, the edge of the bed this morning for Chris. 
<laughs> How many times I got to kick that bed with my pinky toe? <laughs> but look, it makes me laugh. I'm like, it's the bed doesn't move. It's always there. I've kicked that thing a thousand times. I can choose to move the bed or choose like be aware and go, I'm going to walk around the bed today and celebrate that. Yeah, I didn't kick my toe. <laughs> Starting that day with small victories, buddy. That's what it's yeah, all about. Small victories. Yeah, man. Like it set your, set your mind right for the whole day too because you're excited. You know, I tell people all the time, man, wake up and just start laughing. I like Try that. it tomorrow. I like wake that, up, man. just start like laughing. You're like, you can't have a bad day if you just wake up and just start laughing. For no reason, because then you can't stop laughing. You're like, oh my God, I'm laughing for five minutes before I brush my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, mate. I'm going to try that tomorrow morning. My girlfriend may you're think gonna I'm crack nuts, up. You're gonna, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, I'm telling you, you're going to start laughing. You're going to think about me and you're going to laugh some more. It's going to be a great day. You're like, oh man, that was awesome. And I didn't kick my toe. <laughs> oh man. Honestly, Chris, it's it's awesome, like John Deere, just like to get the, the rundown on what your program is or try and mindset. Yeah. And, like, like just what you guys are offering is just an incredible, incredible program and resource for people just to get better. Now, that's, that's it, man. My, my question though is that's a great pro, uh, program and stuff for people to get better. Mm-hmm. What does Chris Smith do to get better? What, is, what do you engage in for your own development? You know, um, yeah. I ask everyone who comes on this show, you know, what their book, their website or their app recommendation is for their own education. Yeah. So for you, Chris, can you recommend any of those to us? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to recommend an app because I probably downloaded every single app in the app store. No, <laughs> like every single one. So I'm a better way kind of guy. I love science and engineering and engineering and all the stuff. I love all the stuff. So for me to get better, it's really about personal relationships. So I try to put people in my circle that hold me accountable, mm-hmm. right? When I say I'm going to do something, I need, I need that personal connection to be held accountable. So I have people in my circle that that do that for me um for apps god there's so flipping many i love my garmin connect app i use day one journaling or the journal app which is a new tool for me because i've been struggling with journaling for ever um only because i'm really challenged with routine i love variety i love being all over the place i love the stuff, but for me to continue to develop, I need to establish some routine. So the journaling, uh, day one journal has been uh, just a godsend for me. Like fast, easy, efficient, first thing in the morning or second thing in the morning, maybe third thing in the morning. Um, but it's in the morning, which is, it's been super, super powerful for me. Um, I personally, I don't, I own a gym, so I don't use very many fitness apps, but I do like Garmin Connect because it tracks, it's easy, it's on my watch, it tracks all my movement. Uh, I'm not really one to manage my food, I just eat cleanly. Uh, Yeah, but for me, honestly, it's more people driven, it's more relationship driven. I know that my purpose on this planet is to find a better way to create deep and meaningful impactful relationships. That's what it is. And for me, in order to live my purpose, it's human beings. You know, it's conversations like this, it's just, it's human beings, man. that's what jazzes me up every single day. That's what jazzes me up. Like for real, I, I love looking at people. I love being an alpha advice, learning to listen to them. Like that's for me. So if human beings could be an app, that's what I'm, that's what I'm totally into. That's cool, dude. That's yeah. cool, mate. I mean, need to have a word of the app store. I think we need a Chris Smith app or something like that. It's something that goes off of your own. loud noise. <laughs> I'm struggling. You know, you talk about things to make people better. Cause that is my journey. That's my destiny. And I'm coming from a world of, uh, I'm coming from a world of the SEAL team. I'm coming from a world where we don't put our stuff out there in the social media kind of realm. It's just not the thing that we do. We've always been the gray man. We've always been like really, really keeping our stuff close to the vest. Well, the challenge is starting trying to mindset is, Oh my God, you've got to tell people about what you're doing. Well, I think really great products have a face and I'm the face for this product and I'm struggling, struggling, is that the right word? Potentially. I'm finding it challenging to promote, to market, to share on a media that I feel like I have no control over, right? It's just social media. I'm like, oh my God, Chris, you do a video on this, do a video on that. I'm like, ah, yeah. I love being on video. It's just like, 
and now it's out there and now what where did it go who's watching you know it's, it's kind of crazy in my head so i'm learning to do that better because it does it is the wind beneath the cell that's going to move the product that we have because i think it can help everyone like it's getting out there because i just want to help a billion people man like i really want to do that i can't do that if everything is just close hold so it's a challenge but it's a challenge that i'm accepting to to do my part in making this place a better place to be you know making better people nice dude nice and i mean it's it's clearly evident dude within you and like what your mission is and it's great to see dude um for me you know it took us a little bit of time trying to get schedules married up and stuff but <gasps> this has been awesome i mean it's a true yeah. testament that good things come to those who wait and i think this has been yeah. an awesome interview mate um, thank you you know, very inspiring, you know, great conversation. For anyone who's listening here, Chris, who wants to reach out and connect with you or try yeah. and what's the best ways they can do that? Yeah, so you can catch me at uh, C Smith, C-S-M-I-T-H at tridentmindset.com. That's my general one. Uh, if you just put everything through there, it's great. You know, the websites, uh, tridentmindset.com, www.tridentmindset.com. Um, that's my catch-all. That's my catch-all. So I try to keep it very simple, right? Just cool. One place. C Smith at tridentmindset.com. That's the way to get it done. Um, no shameless plugs. <laughs> <laughs> I do have room for two people in my my tribe of personal coaching. I, I, I don't do more than 10 people at a time. So I have two spots open. I'm not selling myself, but, you know, but I, I enjoy. I enjoy helping. So, yeah. Well, man, you should sell yourself more, dude. I mean, guys listening to this are going to be pumped up. You know, if you want to move yourselves ahead for the next 12 months and be in a better spot going in 2022, guys, please, if you're listening to this, reach out to Chris, get on that program, make, you know, that quantum leap in your life, I'd say. Yeah. We'll give you guys like a, we'll give you, John, like a 30-day free trial for your listeners or whatever. They have access to all our stuff. Just take it out, take a peek. Um, yeah, man. Even I tell people all the time, like, hey, man, Yes, there is a charge for the program, but man, take it for 30 days, learn something for 30 days and use that for the next 30 days or whatever, however you want to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, it's good information. There's a lot of content back there. Just be better. That's my real purpose on the planet is to create deep and meaningful relationships that are impactful. This is a tool that we're using. So take advantage of, take advantage of the month, man. And if you guys need anything, just hit me up at the email and I will answer your jazz. That's for sure. That has been awesome. Chris, yeah, man. appreciate you, brother, man. Thank you very yeah. much for coming on Speaking Bud. Awesome. Thanks for being patient with my crazy schedule. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, my man. It's all good. All right. Thanks, John. Catch you, boy. Catch Hi, guys. Really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Monarch Team Performance Podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for your continued support to the show. We're slowly growing each week and getting more and more downloads, which is truly incredible for such a niche-specific podcast. The continued support us can ask you to do me a simple favor. First of all, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're using so you can receive each new episode as soon as it's released. Secondly, if you found something educational, if it made you see a different perspective, or if you took something away from this podcast that made you better, please leave us a review as it means a lot to me, and please share the show. This will help us to grow the show and really get this information out to a lot more people.